I'm Alan Reitz with Local Food Factors, a podcast series about the people, policies, and practices that determine how well we eat now and in the future. Local food, it drives local economies, helps people feed their families. And during COVID-19, local food is why a few regions of our country are more food secure than many others. Local Food Factors is a production of the Hanover Consumer Cooperative Society, a consumer-owned food co-op founded in 1936. Before the arrival of COVID-19, locally produced food was the fastest growing sector of the food industry. From small towns to big cities, grocers, restaurants, even college dining halls served us more products from small farms each year. So many of us choose local food for freshness and for the economic boost it gives our communities. Nationally, direct-to-consumer sales, meaning no middleman, just farmer to consumer, has been an essential bright spot for small-scale agriculture. But then, along came that pandemic. Now, running a small farm is an even tougher row to hoe. Overnight, farms of every size experienced lost sales at levels not seen in generations. News of good milk getting dumped and fresh produce going bad hit the headlines. Yet we are also seeing farmers and food producers pivot to fill gaps in the food marketplace. Of course, we're in an era that I don't think any of us could have possibly imagined. Uh, but there's some great things that are going on. There's some very troubling things that are going on. There's so much opportunity for people to just spend time with their neighbors and spend time with the makers and growers and producers in their community. In each episode of Local Food Factors, we'll examine risks facing small-scale food producers. We'll highlight what's working for these food suppliers and suggest actions we can take to keep the good food coming our way. This is about the means by which we secure fresh food for our future. I will definitely go for the local food because it doesn't, it doesn't do anything with the COVID. The people who produce the local foods are the families around us. We have bagged salad greens. A pound bag or half pound, and bag spinach, and one bunch of ramps left. <laughs> Episodes of Local Food Factors will explain how small farmers are beating the odds by diversifying. We'll uncover policies that help or hurt their chances for success. You'll understand how big business is eroding the meaning of the term local, and learn how to partner with farmers through farm subscriptions known as CSAs. In today's episode, it's all about farmers' markets. Farmers' markets are one of the most visible parts of a local food system. Each market lined with vendor tents, farmers offering bushels of fresh produce, bakers and food producers with staple items, and specialty fare. Due to concern over virus transmission, there was no guarantee that farmers' markets would happen this summer. Governors and healthcare professionals hesitated to list them as essential or questioned if markets could happen safely. But farmers, market managers, and food advocates put in the long hours to remind leaders of the critical value of markets and make these venues safe for all. But even with markets open, more consumers are needed. Local food security requires that we show up and stay actively committed to it. Through this podcast, you'll hear about small farm strengths and food industry fragility and gain the perspective of people who use the word community as both noun and verb. Let's get started by listening to the sounds of a New Hampshire farmer's market recorded in 2019, I guess we could say back in the day, with shoppers and vendors enjoying food and community, and of course, no one having to talk through a mask. Oh, how times have changed. You're welcome. See you later. 
For all the national news about food, empty shelves, and meatpacking plants, the tough-hit small-scale farmers took did not make the big headlines. Yet some small producers around the Northeast and the nation lost 50 to 80 percent of their sales because of the pandemic. And despite that hit, the response of these food producers to keep the food supply stable deserves recognition and support. Vermont Secretary of Agriculture Anson Tebbets grew up farming, so he's got a trained eye when it comes to looking at farming matters, the good and the not-so-good. You're seeing cheesemakers who've lost their markets overnight turn their model around, um, not without tremendous sacrifice, not without tremendous loss, and, and somehow we've just got to make sure that we be supportive and find ways for them to uh, get to a better place. You know, I look at our 650 dairy farmers just in Vermont and our neighbors in New Hampshire, and it is extremely discouraging to see the forecasting for that. Discouraging forecasts, resilient local farmers, local food security is in the balance. Tipping the scales requires the rest of us to influence the factors that keep safe food available. Yeah, and I think we've tried to tackle it from uh, two fronts. One is the local level, you know, what as a state, as a community, what can we do to uh, lend support, get help out there, and also being advocates on the federal level to make sure that Vermonters and people from New England are all engaged on getting the resources that they might need. Farms of all sizes and hardworking people feed our nation and the world, but the system is too reliant on consolidated food production and distribution. Regions like the Northeast will never feed the nation. But stable, community-based farming is kind of like having a backup generator for when the power grid goes down. Case in point, COVID-19. Shopping at farmers markets is how we partner with the people who build and maintain that backup generator. It's how we help keep local food secure. Like most community endeavors, farmers markets are managed by individuals working for free or a small fee. Jessica Giordani is one of them. For her day job, Jessica is the co-owner of Scratch. It's a busy fiber fabric and supply shop in Lebanon, New Hampshire. Like thousands of market managers across the country, she puts in long hours to make sure her town's market is a success. This year, the job of planning and opening farmers' markets shifted from normal tasks to urgent action in a matter of days. This year, planning the market season started out like it does every year in January, kind of like slow-paced and planning for normal things. And then once March hit, we quickly realized we were in need of a plan to be able to host an event, if we were allowed to, that would really serve the community and our farmers in particular. These managers have just gone through the guidelines and created basically entirely new events. That's Becca Warren. Small-scale agriculture works better when people like Becca are involved. She's the farm and food coordinator at Vital Communities. That's a nonprofit that builds civic change in the Upper Valley region of Vermont and New Hampshire. To ensure safety during the pandemic, Jessica and her team had to shift from a market that allowed a free flow of thousands of people on market day to one secured and streamlined for safety. On an average night throughout the summer, the Lebanon Farmers Market has about 2,000 guests. So from 4 to 7 p.m., we are packed for the entire afternoon. But because of our need to prioritize community health and make a plan for risk reduction, we knew that doing things business as usual was impossible. They've had to go through all their systems and figure out how are they going to keep everyone six feet apart. 
How are they going to provide enough hand-washing and sanitizing stations? What are they going to do about gloves for all the vendors? How are they going to make sure that customers and vendors can interact, you know, in some cases, look at the products, but not put each other at risk? So I started a process of putting together plans for risk reduction until we landed in a place where we felt really comfortable that we could say to the vendors, like, we are engaging in best practices and we are here to support you and these are the ways that we can do it. These are people who just are driven by their passion for providing a local food and a local business access point in their community that's always been a community gathering place. That's been a big part of farmers markets is that it's a place to gather together and enjoy seeing your neighbors and hear music and have activities for your kids to run around. But the markets are also a food access point and a place for agricultural producers to make an income. As Becca points out, farmers markets take a variety of forms. Some include music and activities as a side benefit. Many do not. Yet each serves as that place where people can easily buy food. Shopping in markets is also a pleasant way for shoppers to take home the tangible and intangible benefits food provides. Absolutely. Food is so essential to our health, our emotional and mental well-being, like our, our ways to connect with other people really largely hinges on food for so many of us. And I think that there was a a real sense of relief in our community that New Hampshire and Vermont markets eventually, after some struggle, were deemed essential services because it's such a valuable thing. So it's been a lot of coordinating and a lot of teamwork. And so just hearing the level of new details they've had to integrate in order to open has just been truly inspiring to me. So what's been the result of all this work? Well, shoppers have been returning to markets, yet from my vantage point, some markets are well below their COVID capacities. This is where we as consumers can take a second look at our comfort level. Vendors are the ones spending most of the time in this space. Farmer Ruth Ann Hacking of Half Wild Arts is one of them. Ruth Ann has a perennial herb farm in North Haverhill, New Hampshire. She spends at least six hours a week as a vendor at the market. Her view of being out at a public space strikes me as reasonable. Here at the Lebanon Farmer's Market is the safest I feel as an individual out in public anywhere right now. You know, going out is a risk. Getting takeout is a risk. <laughs> Bringing things into your home is a risk. But being here at the Lebanon Market where everybody is wearing a mask, everybody is sanitizing, people are keeping socially distanced, and we're in the open air is safer than anywhere else we could be. And so even though we've we've made sacrifices and you know it's not as communal, I feel like we're actually supporting our community and we're doing it in a safe way. Steve Hoffman is the longtime manager of the Norwich Farmers Market in Norwich, Vermont. With COVID safety protocols for the market in place, Steve can deal with the mundane challenges of market day, like braving the weather, answering questions, or on this day, dealing with a credit card machine that went on the fritz. Not one thing, it's another. Oh well. So you got a market, you opened it up. What else should we know about uh, farmers markets in the age of COVID? Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, there's enough instability in the food system that I think people are anxious to establish a local line. That's one thing. It's outside. We, we're always been touting the short supply chain. Um, 
you know, so hopefully that gets a little further ingrained in people, you know, and I think everyone is just hungry for getting back to yeah. having a communal interaction with folks. You know, the the emphasis on local foods right now is is gotten a kick in the pants, you know. You know, what's the customer's part of this whole transaction? I'm just maybe paying a little bit more attention to how they shop and how many how many miles go into bringing that food to you and it's a tighter it's a tighter circle you know getting the food to you and it's it's less vulnerable so as steve said we're seeing a growing recognition of what makes a local food economy vibrant and secure becca warren's experience with vital communities and a career advocating for working landscapes gives her hope as she sees farmers enjoying a bit of a tailwind in the form of improving sales as people rush to find local food options. But she recognizes that other farmers are facing stiff headwinds, from law sales to restaurants and the like. I don't know what you're seeing over um, in your community, but in my community, it's been pretty clear that everyone is acknowledging, I guess, or just noticing that having a local food system is an advantage that we have here that their friends in more urban areas do not have. And, you know, in addition to the gratitude that I see people having for school staff who are delivering meals to every family, I'm also hearing just a lot of gratitude for our local producers, whether it's, you know, a big farm or, you know, someone who has some eggs on the side. You know, I think that that appreciation is really been lifted up, and I I think it will continue after we come out of the dark time. And I also think that we will have some new systems in place. There's a lot of, um, I don't know, just there's a lot of possibility to create new systems where local farms can become more financially stable through these relationships that are being built. You know, many farms are just selling a lot more product right now if they are able to sell directly to consumers or to um, grocers. You know, there are a lot of farms who are also struggling. I don't mean to say that everyone is doing great, but there are some bright spots in in the buy local economy, I would say. My name is Lucy Rollins and I own Suncatcher Farm in Braintree, Vermont. Well, in my experience, markets are not only a place to support local businesses and local food, but also to like congregate, enjoy live music, hang out together, meet new people, socialize. So that secondary aspect feels, you know, dampened by the pandemic, which is, I mean, that's the way it should be. It's unfortunate. But I think now the focus is on local food and especially food security issues because the food supply is in stress. So hopefully that more primary focus of supporting local businesses and buying local food that is produced responsibly and comes from very close by is the main draw and that gains some momentum despite the fact that we all have to be like standing far apart and wearing masks. And I mean I'll pose that very question to you. How do you how do you see us remaining strong and in five years having this as a backup for troubled times? What are you seeing? Being a small local farmer has always been very difficult to make things work. So I think it's up to the consumer to continue to make the choices that they know are important for the local community. They see now in this moment how important it is to support local because local is here for them when the food system is breaking down over 
a crisis, you know, a national and international crisis. And so I think it's a choice that people have to continue to make every day, even as we continue to move through the pandemic and on to the next crisis and the next crisis, because even when there isn't a crisis happening, if you can support your local farmer, that's the only way that you're going to keep them there for the long term. So farmers like Ruth Ann and Lucy are ready. The markets are prepped with precautions in place. And it's nice to see shoppers doing business with local farmers. For customers like Marissa here, it all works. It's definitely different, more subdued, but there's a lot of things to buy. Like you can get vegetables, you can get food, you can get other artisan stuff. Um, I grew up in Jersey and farmer's markets near me were more like this, where I just come in to buy things. You're not here for like a good time. Up next on Local Food Factors, we'll take a glance at the history of farmers' markets and the growth of markets in recent decades. I'm Alan Reitz, and this is Local Food Factors, a podcast about the people, policies, and practices that determine how well we eat. Our topic this episode is farmers' markets. Selling food in open-air venues is hardly a new concept. It goes back 5,000 years to the banks of the Nile in Egypt. The trade of food, fiber, and uncommon goods there eventually gave rise to community and security across the world. The first farmers' markets held by immigrants in what would become the United States happened in Boston in 1632. In July of 1776, during the days following the signing of the Declaration of Independence, that document was read aloud in only three public places. One of them was the Easton, Pennsylvania Farmers' Market. Easton remains our nation's longest-running market. In 2020, there are more than 8,000 farmers' markets in the U.S. That's up from 1,700 markets in the early 1990s. Okay, back to our conversation with Becca Warren to learn a little bit more about the recent growth of markets in northern New England. You know, when you take away that music and you, the samples and the conversations and um, just the community buzz that happens at a, at a farmer's market, paint a little more of a picture of what a farmer's market means to the local food economy. And I actually think that in some ways when you pose the question that way, it brings us back to the question of how farmer's markets began their revival in the 1970s. And that was a way that farmers who were doing very small-scale organic farming typically and weren't trying to sell into the large food system there were farmers who were just selling off the back of a truck and then joined together um, and brought all their trucks together in one place. Um, they all would open the back of their pickup truck and have the food out there. And I don't think there was any music, and there certainly weren't kids' activities. It was just, this is really fresh whole food that your neighbors grew. And there's a lot of things that have been piled on since then that have been wonderful additions to markets. I think it kind of brings it back to this is our community feeding itself. And I know the farmers I've spoken with are very excited to be able to be at the market and feed their community because every farmer I know, that is really the center of why they are in the business is because they want to be feeding their communities. Well, these days, most farmers do more than just put a few boxes of produce in their truck and head to town. As you might expect, the harvest you see at market requires a lot more work to bring it to you. Again, market manager Jessica Giordani. Oh, vending at markets is a huge production for the people who are setting up tents. So for farmers that are pulling in crops, 
you're making decisions in the 24 hours beforehand about what is most market ready and depending on weather and a variety of other factors that may or may not be what you had planned to bring to market that week. But there's an issue of harvesting, of washing produce so it's presentable for market, whether that means you're putting strawberries into a pint container or fresh greens going into bags. Like There's a lot of labor that goes into that huge amounts of time packing up their vehicles with displays and their goods to sell. And they need to be at the park an hour and a half before we open. Some of our vendors drive over an hour to get to us. So it's a a big ordeal. And I think that um, for a lot of folks, you know, shoppers at markets, they just, uh, they're unable to appreciate the amount of labor that goes into that few minutes of interaction that they have unless they at some point have vended at events like this as well. And then once 7 o'clock hits after a busy afternoon at the market, everything's got to be broken down, packed up, brought home, and unpacked again. So this is a really huge amount of work. And I think there's probably a a general awareness now from the public that never really knew about all this stuff that was going on behind the scenes. So in the end, I think what's happening is people are figuring out, you know what, agriculture is pretty darn important, and they really are valuing it now. And I think there'll be more support for it. And always, there's the cost that has to be a factor of this. The consumers, of course, there's tremendous unemployment now. That's going to be a factor of shopping habits. People are going to probably push the pencil on their food budget, but they can be assured if it comes from our region, it's going to be of high quality and it's going to be safe. So as Vermont Secretary of Agriculture Anson Tebbit said, we're seeing the increase in consumer awareness and commitment to local food. Staying committed to it through rough times can happen, even on a budget. There is affordable food at markets, including many markets that double the purchasing power of people using SNAP dollars to buy fresh produce. SNAP is the modern equivalent to food stamps. Two New England examples of that doubling of produce buying power are New Hampshire's Granite State Market Match and Vermont's Crop Cash. Recapping our conversation thus far, Lucy Rollins summarizes the need for consumer action using the clarity that farmers are known for. Every individual really needs to think about where they're putting their money. You know, they're the demand, and without them, there's no local economy, there's no farmers. So it's it's a mindset thing, and the pandemic is horrible, but hopefully one thing that comes out of it is maybe that shift might start to happen. We talked about headwinds and tailwinds, and, you know, it's this idea. Can can another bright spot of this period be helping folks understand the true cost of local food and what it takes to get it to us? I don't know. I'm not sure. I think it might... I, I think it might... <laughs> I guess what I'm wondering is, will the bright spot be that people understand the true cost of industrial food and not just the expense of it, but what we are seeing and hearing about the conditions in meat processing facilities and the impact it's having in rural areas with the spread of COVID-19, the concerns about where certain food is going to be coming from, whether certain food will be available, the fact that for many people food is not available and hunger is just tragically on the rise in our communities and some people just don't have access right now. And those are, 
you know, it's, it's horrible, but it's also shining the light on these really immoral parts of our society, in my opinion. And I, I think it's, you know, really inspiring some grassroots action and, and movement as well as political action and movement to try to make it so the system is less brittle and less fragile. Earlier, Jessica Giordani gave us a quick overview of some of the things farmers do to be ready to sell at a farmer's market. Keep that top of mind as you hear from farmer Carly Brankus of Mooncastle Organic Farm in East Topsom, Vermont. She and her husband Harold have been hustling to meet consumer demand for local food. Yeah, we're just trying to do what we could to pivot. We have had a few pre-orders for pickup on farm, which has been great because all of a sudden we're accessing local customers that we hadn't normally been able to sell to. So now we have a great forum for them to get our produce because normally we only vend at uh, farmer's markets and a lot of people in Topsom don't drive down to Norwich or Montpelier or Lebanon. How many markets do you sell at? We go to um, Norwich and Waitsfield on Saturdays and Lebanon on Thursdays. That's busy. Yeah, yeah, we keep it busy. And we do a small CSA as well. And the CSA is new this year when we weren't sure if markets were going to be open or not. So it was sort of a last minute, last minute for us. I mean, we decided when COVID was picking up to do the CSA and we're really, really pleased. Um, we have a lot of people excited locally. And, but we're also like thrilled that the farmer's markets are running. It's, that, that's like, is our business, is the farmer's market, so. I love every fresh food that I can feel that my house needs and it's there. Definitely the fresh produce. I like it, stuff like that. That's Jean. She's been shopping at the Lebanon Farmer's Market for the past 19 years. I will definitely go for the local food because it doesn't, it doesn't do anything with the COVID. The people who produce the local foods are the families around us. I would encourage it to encourage the economy and push forward and help everybody. Um, I guess if you don't support it, it's not going to be here anymore. People, like I know we've lost a few businesses around here and people were upset, not during the pandemic, but earlier, like our grocery store. But if you don't go, it's not going to be there. What matters to me to find, like to see all the people that I used to see all around, even if I don't know them in person, I'm still, I'm living, I'm there, I'm out, I'm out there. I mean, I would just say to invite people to come to the farmer's market. If you're going to go out, go out and support local businesses. And coming to the farmer's market is the easiest way to do that right now because you can hit a lot of local businesses. But the money that you're spending right now means a lot more to the farmers than it ever did, and it always meant a lot. What are you hopeful for? Oh, I... I think I'm just hopeful, like, th things are so complicated right now and kind of scary and overwhelming. And I think that um, because living in the midst of a pandemic, we've all been forced to slow down. And I think just the slower pace and the ability to have a little bit of time to think about things and make choices differently is an opportunity in getting your food directly from your farmer, getting your dairy locally, choosing to support a local restaurant or food producer because, because they are there for you. And it's, everything feels so uncertain for all of us right now, like 
the one thing that is certain this summer is that we will be in that park every week trying to provide a, a tiny sliver of normalcy and happiness and goodness for everyone. Farmers markets, a sliver of normalcy in a time of crisis, a region feeding itself, a lower risk way to buy food and support local businesses during COVID, and a place where everyone can participate in community. Each element is secured by us, consumers, if we show up this year and next and follow the lead of people like Jean who've been going to their local farmers markets for 19 years and many more. Because when we show up for the small-scale farmers and food producers in our towns, fresh food remains available to us when we'd like to have it and when we actually can't do without it. That's what successful farmers markets offer us as a vibrant community partnership built around food for the benefit of all. My thanks to Vermont Secretary of Agriculture Anson Tebbets, Jessica Giordani, Becca Warren, Steve Hoffman, Ruth Ann Hacking, Lucy Rollins, Carly Brancus, and Marissa and Jean, the shoppers I spoke with. Music heard in today's episode is from the Music Bakery. I'm Alan Reitz of the Hanover Consumer Cooperative Society, better known as the Hanover Co-op Food Stores of New Hampshire and Vermont. In the next episode of Local Food Factors, we'll learn how local farms are a critical link in the fight against hunger. If you have a question about program content, a comment, or constructive criticism, let me know. I'm responsible for every part of what you heard here. Just drop me a note at comment at coopfoodstore.com. Put local food factors in the subject line. You'll find a list of farmers market resources on our show page at coopfoodstore.com slash local food factors. Please subscribe and share this podcast. Together, we can strengthen the local food factors that determine how well we eat. <laughs>